0: Welcome everybody to Leadership at the Edge, our monthly podcast with uh, august leaders and leaders with a different slant on the way that leadership looks and hopefully an interesting slant for you, our listenership. We invite you to join this conversation via social media using the hashtag Leadership at the Edge or to send a voice message in response to any question or challenge that we might give to you, the audience. For information or to register for future podcasts and webinars, visit our website, www.institutelm.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast series and leave a review. My name is John Williams, and I'm the Chief Exec at the Institute of Leadership and Management. And I am privileged to have with me today, Marcial Boo, who is Chief Executive of the UK's Public Health Register that regulates public health workers. Marcial was, is a senior former senior civil servant at the Department of Education. He's a former advisor to the Prime Minister's Delivery Unit in Downing Street on the delivery of public sector targets, and is also the author of the book, The Public Sector Fox, which was devised to help improve the skills of public sector uh, managers. Having started his career as a teacher and worked in the British Council in Ecuador, Marcel is well familiar not only with the UK but also with the international scene and Marcel, welcome. Thank you very much, it's a pleasure to be here. Great, now uh, Marcel this, this has been a very interesting career particularly in light of the fact that you've worked with quite a lot of, of different types of people particularly around the public sector, who have had leadership as their role and with whom you have engaged as part of their leadership role. And I think what, one of the first and, and most interesting ones that I'll mention is, is um, your uh, having been chief executive of IPSA, the Independent Parliamentary Standards Authority, which, of course, is... Really, about reward and accountability for politicians, uh, do you think that MPs um, i'll call it m p s terms and conditions, including the procedures for holding MPs to account, do you think those things impact on their approach to political leadership yeah
1: thank you john yes i um I worked uh, for six and a half years leading Leading the regulator of MPs, so I paid them their salaries and pensions and and their business costs and their expenses as well. So I worked with all of the UK's 650 MPs and and with uh, with parallel bodies internationally too. Um, and you know, politicians, uh, MPs in the UK, uh, obviously, you know, sometimes they get a. A bad reputation maybe we don't like the, uh, one one person's policies or their their style or, or the rest of it but um, it's important for us to remember that they are leaders they are uh, the people that we have chosen to make decisions on our behalf about really complicated things sometimes you know are we going to change the way that we um, extract oil for example Uh, or are we going to um, uh, prioritize education over defense or vice versa I mean these are really difficult decisions that we ask uh, our political leaders to to take on our behalf So, so you know leadership is absolutely crucial to what they do um, and uh, And it's important for them to think of themselves as leaders and and for in the vast majority of cases that's exactly what they do they They lead their community um, and in some cases they lead their party or they lead areas of policy and they're responsible for making important decisions so as leaders like anybody, the terms and conditions that they work within um, have to play a role and uh, and the terms and conditions have to you know, ideally enable them to be the best, best possible leaders that they can be of the communities that they represent
0: and that particularly is important i guess in this context of accountability for political leaders of course because that, that accountability is slightly different say in the private sector where uh, the the executive team in an org, in a company might be accountable to the shareholders for example uh, of course uh, members of parliament or parliamentary figures are accountable to the country yes they are so you know they they're accountable
1: you know in a number of different ways and they're very on the whole they're extremely aware of their accountability mm. they you know they they're very sensitive to changes in mood um, and they often spend hours and hours and hours every week in their constituencies talking to and listening to to people that vote for them so you know so they're accountable politically so they're, they're accountable for their views um, and they will stand or fall by what they believe and you know in the UK uh, before the 2019 election, we saw all kinds of cases of uh, politicians within a political party uh, challenging their own leadership. This is both Labour and, and Conservative, um, and in some cases leaving the party and forming new parties, um, which um, they were obviously hoping would would succeed. And, uh, and in some cases they did, in some cases they didn't. So you know, so political accountability is very evident. Um, and we, as voters, have the option of choosing who represents us. But um, but you're right also, John, to say that um, there are other kinds of accountability and financial accountability is one. But unlike most of us who work in organisations and we have a boss or a board um, or auditors, you know, who uh, who hold us to account, rightly, for the decisions we take and how we go about doing our jobs, all of that is much harder for MPs because each of them is an independent office holder, they don't have a boss, they are accountable only to their electorate. So it makes it quite hard to design mechanisms to to hold them to account for their behaviour and for the money that they spend. But um, countries like the UK and Australia and Chile and a few others um, are working hard to do exactly that and have established watchdogs of various kinds to work on behalf of the public to make sure that MPs spend money properly, that they behave appropriately and that they, uh, that they use public money right, uh, appropriately to do their jobs, yep. um, but they act within the rules.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, that brings to mind that whole phrase "the sunlight is the best disinfectant is that the, the watchdogs, of course, are in a position to make transparent not just their own uh, oversight of, in this case, parliamentary figures, but also, of course, the behaviour of those parliamentary figures. Very interesting. If it, we move on a little bit, I think, actually, you were um, involved in writing the adult basic skills strategy uh, at the Department for Education and involved in, in reforming funding for things like six forms and stuff like this um that's uh that might be perceived as a slightly uh, a slightly earlier stage at which leadership competencies need to be developed around basic skills for adults and in in six forms do you think that the the skill strategies that we that we develop as a country for the basic skills for adults and for students do you think they take sufficient account of the skills and competencies that will be needed for leadership in later life
1: well i think one of the one of the really interesting things i found working with uh, people adults with poor basic skills literacy and numeracy mm. is that uh, that many of them are leaders you know they 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 are they 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 may uh, have poor Written skills, or they may not be comfortable with numbers yep. uh, but that, that doesn't stop them being leaders and in some cases, they have uh, gathered together people in their communities or uh, in schools uh, in order to make local change happen so I think that um, you know we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't just assume that leadership correlates with level of education you know um, but uh, but clearly clearly um, you know if Uh, any of us want to make change happen whether it's in the corporate environment or in the public sector you know uh, the um, the use of language and the the ability to deploy uh, the evidence of numbers
0: is a really important leadership skill. That's excellent and and a very in a sense of a really striking piece of insight this idea that um, and I'm sure it's the assumption by many people poor basic skills uh, doesn't actually preclude leadership capability Uh, and I think that's maybe something that ought to be factored into maybe some broader thinking about skills development programs and stuff like this the assumption that because people are not quite good at one thing then they're not going to be good at what we often think of as higher order skills I think leadership skills are often thought of as high but actually of course the the there's not necessarily an, ob- an obvious correlation between the two
1: no and i think that you know we we see uh, in all kinds of contexts that there are some people who have the capability to be leaders you know and they can perhaps um, assess a wider context in a better way or yep. they can corral other individuals to work towards a common goal and you know, we see these in pre-literate communities they they've always existed we see it in the primary school playground you know yeah. that there are some kids who just are naturally uh, um, you know step forward and 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 enable others to achieve wider goals you know the military often in, in many countries are very adept at spotting yes. uh, leadership potential mm-hmm. um, and, and they, what they don't do is they don't put people in front of a written test so um, so you know leadership as, as, as you and, and your listeners will know you know it's a complex um, skill and, uh, and all of us uh, are constantly learning how best to judge the right way to lead in different circumstances, you know, and that might be through uh, a very uh, pointed letter to a senior decision maker, mm-hmm. or it could just be by standing on a soapbox and just speaking from the
0: heart. Yeah, I, absolutely, and and that brings to mind two things, really, really important. One is the, the institute's basic tenet that leadership is everywhere and can be in anybody, and secondly, the point that you make very powerfully, which is it's often about context yeah exactly actually and and you know a leadership uh, a type of leadership will be effective in certain contexts and maybe actually be be in a sense prompted by a particular context the one of the I think one of the most interesting things that you've done in your career is advising the Prime Minister's delivery unit in Downing Street on the delivery of public sector targets. And I think even the term public sector targets will, will raise hackles amongst some people because they don't understand about the targets the public sector sector has. Do you think it it would benefit the public sector and therefore the public for leadership or leadership development? To feature amongst public sector targets? Uh, uh,
1: yes, I think I hesitate because I would rather th- rather than call it leadership, ex- uh, you know, per se. I would hmm. talk about governance right. because I do believe that well governed organisations in the public sector achieve better results. You know, and that is about leadership, but it's not just leadership narrowly defined as the leader of a of an organisation, whether that's a council. Uh, a job centre, a school, uh, or a big government department. Leadership really does matter, but it matters in the context of good governance overall. And that means that the top team and everybody else, they're working effectively as a team, that there are, there's clear accountability, there's delegation of decision-making, there's good financial management, relationships are open and, and, and honest. You know, it's a whole set of good governance issues yep. that, uh, that I would say yes absolutely it's um, it's a it's a target that every public body needs to achieve
0: really interesting yeah because the 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 two points that you make one is the idea that actually leadership is not about a leader it is actually about a behaviour a function within an organisation which may of course flow from person to person and secondly and this is quite an interesting concept of leadership as a subset of governance because we do see this, this sort of um, almost hero status about the term leadership now, as if it was the, the be all and end all of everything. You know, we are the Institute of Leadership and Management. And actually, it's very interesting to see governance, broader governance, being identified as the sea in which leadership flows around.
1: Yeah, I think but I think, you know, we've seen lots of evidence that um, that change happens at all levels in an organisation. Um, and you know whether this is the the Toyota approach to improvement or innovation in, in the public sector context. Often, uh, individuals who are working on the front line or somewhere else in the process can spot a change that would be beneficial for the organisation. And it's not in the C-suite uh, that these uh, that these things can be seen because you know people who are chief executives, chief operating officers. Are, sometimes too far from where the action is. So what you need is you need to have leadership uh, in all parts of an organisation. And again, you know, you will, uh, you and your listeners will be familiar with um, examples of effective teams where all the members are are leaders. Yes. And um, you know, there was a book written about Abraham Lincoln and how he gathered together in his cabinet uh, a coalition of very strong leaders um, and manage them effectively so that they could make change happen uh, and there are examples in all kinds of other contexts as well um, that's a that 's a difficult skill to manage lots of lots of uh, change makers um, effectively but that 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 is how it really should happen to be really effective.
0: It is a difficult skill and it requires, I think, uh, not just the obvious confidence that one would need to have to do that, but also the kind of resilience to be able to, in, in a sense, to roll with the flow of influence within that group because one isn't going to be able to give them orders that's not the point of it and stuff like this and one will have to step back and accept that actually other people will be able to deliver more effectively in some cases do you think that that um do you think that resilience is emphasized enough in leadership development uh in in, whether it's in universities or in programs or whatever
1: Goodness me! Well, it's a really, really good question, John. And I think definitely not. Um, I think uh, resilience is an unbelievably important skill, because uh, anybody who's in a leadership role, uh, you know, whether it's leading a small team as a as a middle manager or a start, you know, start, starting a managerial job, or the top of an organisation, you know, you have stuff thrown at you, and you have people uh, asking for things that are incompatible. You yeah. know somebody will ask for a somebody else will ask for b somebody else for c and maybe you can do two out of the three but it's it's generally hard to please everybody and so you know the job of leadership is to make decisions and uh, decisions inevitably uh, don't please everybody i mean the judgment of solomon is a very very uh you know it's a good parable a parable precisely because it is it, you know there's a kind of either or nature to some decisions that need to be made so uh it, You know, you need to have the personal qualities to withstand um, disagreement. And sometimes that can get very personal.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know,
1: we know of leaders in 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 all kinds of walks of life, including uh, social media influencers and celebrities who can get all kinds of rubbish thrown at them unfairly. You know, and they and they don't have some of them. We don't have the skills to cope with that because we're just not resilient enough. And it's a it's a really
0: it's really does
1: need to be taught.
0: And and it also actually is amazing how much impact it has on an individual. I remember somebody saying to me once that one of the, the hardest things for anybody in a leadership position is making unpopular decisions that disappoint supporters. And, and, and actually, that it's inevitable at some time, as, as you just illustrated. I remember the point you made also about uh, the C-suite is actually often quite a long way from from the customer in a lot of cases. I think John Le Carre, who who sadly died recently, I think, really, he said in one of his books, a desk is a dangerous place for which to view the world. And I often think that actually that works very, very well in terms of leadership. That's very true.
1: Well, I tell you, when I was working with MPs for six and a half years, Mm. you know, the majority of my time in uh, Westminster, obviously I was in Parliament and and working with them. But uh, at least four times a year, I spent a day Mm -hmm. with an MP on the ground uh, shadowing them so that I could really understand what they do in their constituencies. And I was in all parts of the country, Northern Ireland, Scotland, uh, you know, uh, seaside communities urban areas uh, following an mp because i uh, i needed to understand the way that they did their jobs Mm. in order to work effectively with them Uh, and uh, leaders who uh, there are and there are many of them who have advocated spending time uh, with their staff or on the front line or with their customers i think this is a really really helpful perspective to have
0: Uh, Excellent, excellent. And I know many, many large corporates actually have a systems where the the C-suite and all the senior managers need to spend some time each year on the front line, actually understanding and meeting customers. And I'm quite sure that the front line staff will ensure that they meet customers who will give them a true picture of actually what goes on on the front line. It's very sobering. It's very sobering, Uh you know, and, and, uh, and all of us
1: in leadership roles, you know, it's really beholden on us to do that so that we don't uh, get wrapped up in the job title that we've got or the salary that we've got or the nice suit that we've got or whatever it happens to be you know because we are just people we're doing a job and we need to do that as well as we can and that involves engaging with the people that we work
0: with and for. Uh, absolutely right and and my last question actually Marcel in, in, in this podcast is um, your book the Public Sector Fox, which was written to help improve the skills of public sector managers. Do you think leadership is well enough emphasised in developing the skills of managers within the public sector? So middle managers and things like this.
1: Well, um, no, obviously, I, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, with right. uh, Alexander Stevenson, it's, uh, you know, we both, both wrote this together in order to support the journey of uh, people into managerial and, and leadership roles in the public sector, because you know what I what I found, and I know you know you and, and, and many of your um, your listeners and others will, will will be familiar with this, is that you go into a book bookshop in an airport or a train station, you know, in the days that we could travel, yes. and um, you know you look at the business section, and and they're all for business. I mean that's that's yep. that's the heading of the of the section. And so, you know, when I was a younger manager wanting to learn my craft, I go there and I look at these books, buy some of them and read them so that I could do a better job. But a lot of their focus is on profit, making money, spotting market opportunities, dealing with competition. All of these are really, really important, but they didn't speak to me as a manager of a public sector um, policy and and uh, operational business um because they they overlap the leadership skills overlap but they're not entirely the same because in the public sector you can't for one you can't often choose your customers yes you know you just you just have to serve the whole community or you serve all of those who've got a learning difficulty if Mm -hmm. if that's what you do or you serve all of those who are unemployed if that's what you do or you serve anybody who comes into your clinic so you can't choose your customers often there isn't any competition because you know you are just the school for the area or whatever it is Um, and obviously you are in the public eye uh, in a way that doesn't always apply to the private sector and you have to deal with politicians who are you know they are a a, a breed apart you know quite understandably so so you know all of these are skills that um, we thought we needed to help people to acquire Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's why we wrote this book it's full of hints and tips really uh, it's not uh, it's not particularly profound it's but
0: it's but hope is designed to be helpful uh, and therefore useful yes ab- absolutely right and I, and i think that a couple of the points you made there at the end are crucial for us to to understand i think in the context of the public sector that the, the idea of monopoly the idea of being politically motivated um, the small p but actually are you know having uh, politics as the determinant of the way the organization runs and what it does and needing to be totally inclusive rather than selective, which, of course, is completely different from the private sector. That's been a, um, an excellent conversation, Marcel. I'm, I'm really, really pleased that we had the chance to have this chat, and I hope that our listeners will be as well. Marcel Bou, Chief Exec of the UK's Public Health Register, thank you very, very much indeed for being with us today. It's a great
1: pleasure, John. Thank you very much. And I hope that you and your listeners have uh, got something of value from this. And I wish you and them all the very best in, in the leadership journeys that you're on.